Welcome to the CannaCast, where we ask the interesting questions and provide some solid answers on all things cannabis. We made it to week three. We are not a one-hitter. We are here to stay like the high from that pot brownie you ate all of because you hadn't tried edibles yet. This week, we're going to be talking about the two most prevalent chemicals in pot, THC and CBD. What they are, why they make us high, and what they're good for. All this and more, so grind it, roll it, and light up. Get ready for pot class. This is the CannaCast. Welcome to episode 3 of the CannaCast Pot Class. Glad you could join me. Today, THC, CBD, and what it is that gets us high. THC, or delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, say that five times fast, and CBD, cannabidiol, are the two chemical components of pot with the most star power right now. It seems like every pothead wants a higher THC percentage, and every gas station sells pure CBD oil like the carpetbaggers of old hawking snake oil on the Oregon Trail. But what exactly are they, and what do they do? We'll be focusing on CBD and THC, but to begin with, it's important to realize that there are over 80 different chemical components unique to cannabis. These are called cannabinoids. Cannabinoids work together in ways that we don't fully understand yet, which is one of the reasons synthetic cannabinoid alternatives have only been moderately successful and pale in comparison to what actual cannabis products do. Cannabinoids all coalesce in different ways and exhibit themselves differently in different strains. For years, though, research on how these chemicals work was discouraged or even banned since cannabis was still a Schedule I substance. But the climate has changed and new research is finally beginning to find encouragement. Though there are dozens of chemical compounds in cannabis that remain mostly unstudied, CBD and THC research makes up the lion's share of what we know so far, since they're present in the largest quantities and contribute the most to the texture of the high you're going to experience, although even that remains up to debate. This is why every cannabis product focuses on either one or the other, and why when you buy a strain, it'll give you the percentage makeup of THC to CBD. Think about it this way. CBD is the thing that makes you feel relaxed, dulls pain, eases you, while THC is the thing that gives you that feeling of highness, disrupts your thought process, and is what artists and musicians love for its ability to unblock those creative barriers that we feel sometimes. Now, it isn't an either-or proposition, and the pair work in concert much more potently than they do separately. In fact, it's one of the really interesting things about cultivating new cannabis strains. How much can we isolate certain effects in a specific strain before it starts to work in counterproductive ways to the overall effect? What I mean is, do the chemicals that get you high actually give you better results when taken in combination with the chemicals that relax and ease your muscle pain? It makes sense in a way. The chemicals bounce off of each other and act synergistically to make the entire effect more potent when they're together. A problem, though, is that people don't always want them together. That's why the isolation of CBD has been so huge and caused so much buzz. 
Now people can go out and buy much of the therapeutic properties of cannabis without the corresponding high. As we talked about, isolating this may mean that the effect is overall less potent than if taken with THC, but it does mean that you don't have to get high to use it. A major plus for people operating heavy machinery, people who need to be quick on their feet, and even just people who don't feel like getting high, but still want the alleviating pain from their medical conditions. This also means that people can smoke pot for the elevation, energy, and creativity without getting too dampened and can still be empowered to go about their day. And for some people, it's a little of both. THC and CBD in high percentages in a single strain will give you elevated effects on both sides, and sometimes people just need a stronger, more potent effect. Now, CBD and THC are also different because they affect two different areas of your body. CBD focuses primarily on the nervous system of your body and works on your muscles and nerves. THC affects your brain and dampens the synaptic impulses that fire and make decisions, as well as breaking up thought processes. An interesting factoid, since this might mean that there are more efficient ways of consuming different cannabis strains for different people for different effects. When we consume cannabis in various forms, these cannabidiols enter our system through a variety of ways. Sublingually or under the tongue, ingestion by eating, through your lungs by smoking or vaping. Any way you slice it, the chemicals are finding a way into your system eventually. But if you want to help your muscle ache, a topical that you can rub directly on may give you the effects you desire, whereas THC couldn't get you high with the same delivery method. Since the topical isn't letting THC into your bloodstream, and probably doesn't have a very high percentage of it anyways, it won't be affecting your brain since it won't find its way there. THC, on the other hand, is what gives you that high feeling, and does need to find its way to your brain. The effects of THC, however, get better when taken in combination with other cannabidiols in your body. Although we don't fully understand the intricacies of cannabidiols yet, we do understand that they are part of a larger, interconnecting series of chemicals. As growers and cannabis cultivators dive deeper and deeper into the effects of different cannabinoids, we find better and better ways of breeding cannabis so that we can achieve the desired effects. You may be surprised, however, to learn that THC already exists inside of your body. Well, not exactly. THC closely resembles several chemicals that the body naturally produces, also called cannabinoids. THC is quite similar to a chemical called anandamide that is floating through your brain even as we speak. THC's likeness to these naturally occurring chemicals is part of why we experience the side effects of pot in the ways that we do. Things like short-term memory loss, decreased cognitive function, and trouble focusing are all things that come from amplifying a naturally occurring process in the body, rather than introducing an entirely different chemical, like alcohol. On to CBD, though. You've seen it at gas stations in cheap plastic bottles, sleek, chic, hemp-focused pop-up hipster stores, and you've seen a couple of dozen Facebook-generated articles, right? But what is it, and how does it work? CBD is another cannabinoid that you intake when you use cannabis, 
but it's a world apart from THC. CBD is getting a reputation as the helpful part of cannabis, but that's a little unfair. CBD is the chemical that has worked so very well as an anti-seizure medication for many, and the substance that people are looking to for various medical alternatives. A lot of the benefits in terms of medical pros in cannabis come from CBD. It's been found to be pain-reducing, anti-inflammatory, and anti-seizure from a mix of research and anecdotal accounts. We know that it's good for many things, but the exact range, depth, and ability of CBD to treat ailments is still unclear. There is more certainty that CBD-dominant strains like Charlotte's Web are highly effective as an anti-seizure medication, but the exact reason remains elusive. Because research has been suppressed for so long in the United States, because of cannabis's designation as a Schedule I drug, we're far from fully understanding the complexities of cannabis, though we can identify a lot of its enormous potential. That said, cannabis doesn't cure everything, and neither does CBD. There are people out there who want to use it as a catch-all for every ill like a modern panacea, and really, that's just wishful thinking. One of the big challenges of cannabis today is to figure out when cannabis can be an appropriate medical intervention, what specific components of cannabis cause healing, and why. Just this past week, a major CBD distributor received a warning from the FDA about claiming certain effects that haven't been proven for CBD yet. Back to the proven effects, though. CBD-heavy strains of cannabis with minimal, if not virtually zero, THC content are being employed as treatments to seizure-related disorders and as anticonvulsants. And this lack of THC is mandated by law. Anything above a THC content of 0.3% in a CBD product is considered illegal and a cannabis derivative by the federal government. So, for those of you who are interested in getting a little high on the DL, chugging Green Mountain Chocolate Mint CBD oil won't work. You could drink the whole bottle of CBD and probably feel nothing more than relaxed and sleepy. That strain we talked about just a little while ago, Charlotte's Web, has been a game-changer in the way that seizures are being treated, especially for children. Now with a viable alternative, people, especially kids, that were once being debilitated and dying because of life-threatening seizures, are now able to have at least semi-normal lives. Where once constant chest spasms incapacitated, now people can even drive and go about their daily life with minimal hassle as long as they take their cannabis medication. Now, for the fun part. THC and why it makes us high. Close your eyes and imagine this in your head. Two people hold a long piece of rope between them, and one person snaps the rope, sending a wave traveling to the other side. Watching from the side, you can see the snap of the rope travel down the line, curving until it stops at the other side. Each person is a nerve in your brain, and that wave is an electrical impulse. That is what the regular firing of a synapse from one to the other looks like. But what if you were to attach the middle of the rope to a post? Both people at either end, same as before, but the center of the rope is tied around the post. 
This would stop the wave from traveling through to the other person, much the same way that THC blocks synapses. What are these synapses for? Decision-making, primarily. One synapse fires an electrical impulse to the next, and that translates into a thought or direction. THC bonds to those synapses in CB1 receptors, so that when a thought tries to travel to the correct location, it's blocked by the THC molecule bonded onto your synapse. Scientists and researchers aren't even quite sure why this happens. Our brains are perfectly suited to accepting molecules of THC from cannabinoids, making us ask the question, why did we co-evolve with cannabinoids? And if we did, does that mean that it is more natural for us to be consuming cannabis than not? Cannabis is different from alcohol in this way, in that we have a pre-existing network to deal with and absorb THC into the body. Alcohol is, at its root, a poison, and the body wants to get rid of that poison as soon as possible. We get drunk from our body's attempts to metabolize alcohol in the liver, our body trying to deal with this new foreign substance in our system. THC, since it so closely resembles naturally occurring receptors in the brain, simply jumps on a naturally occurring process that your body is equipped to deal with. THC also binds specifically to CB1 receptors, which control motor function and memory primarily, and are also related to the pleasure centers in the brain, which creates that feeling of euphoria when you get high. The areas of your brain devoted to things like breathing, vital functions, and basic operations are largely left unaffected. According to the National Institute on Drug Abuse, or NIDA, there has not been a single death attributable solely from excess THC. Now, you can overdose and get way too high. The good news is, you'll just think you're gonna die. In reality, the worst thing that'll happen to you if you smoke too much pot is probably a little bit of vomiting and a serious case of couch lock. Pharmaceutical companies are attempting to synthesize CBD and THC alternatives to naturally occurring ones. So far, they've created chemically similar compounds with incredibly underwhelming results. Every marketed synthetic cannabinoid is seen as drastically inferior in terms of effectiveness by most users. This could be due to any number of reasons, but the two most likely are that the imitations are simply that. Imitations and don't actually recreate the chemical compounds in cannabis. Cannabis is a hyper-complex set of chemicals, all working in concert, and it might be possible that the combination of all of these working together is what allows cannabis to have the effects that it does. The reasons that CBD and THC work so well is because they work in conjunction with the other chemical effects that are produced by the cannabis plant. Some pharmaceutical companies are trying to hand a person an apple, swap it out for an orange, and then act surprised that the two behave differently. Who would have thunk, huh? It's a strange way of looking at this scenario, although that's exactly what pharmaceutical companies are doing. Which raises the question, if it's not broken, why try and fix it? It couldn't be because Big Pharma can profit off stuff they can make in a lab and patent far more than something anyone could grow in the safety of their own home or garden. It couldn't be that. Nah. Although we only got to touch on CBD and THC, remember that cannabis is a super complex plant, above and beyond your average garden variety vegetables. For the purposes of packaging and advertising, we like to simplify things down to easily consumable information. 
CBD is the healthy chemical in pot. THC is the high part of pot. But we don't know everything about the plant yet, and probably not even most of what there is to learn. There could, and probably will be, hundreds if not thousands of discoveries that are going to change our understanding of how pot affects us and why it affects us in the way that it does. Not least of which because research has been suppressed for so long by various governments and agencies. But that's an episode all its own. Thanks for tuning in this week, and I hope that you have a better understanding of what CBD is, what THC is, and what goes into the pot you consume. And remember, there's no can't in cannabis. If you want to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode, we're on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Patreon. We really appreciate it. Link in the description. And as always, let us know what you thought of the episode and of the show. Comment here, send us an email, or tweet us at the Podcast. Keep it tuned here this and every Friday for the latest in cannabis. Thanks for listening, and remember, there's no can't in cannabis.